All right, with that, I want to call Renee McCauley up here. Give her a hand. Come on, you guys can do better than that. Hey, so Renee is just going to share. This is for you. Thanks. Yes. Renee is just going to share a little testimony today about what God's been doing in her life and around her through her life group. And Renee, take it away. Good morning. Um, I help lead Cabot Crew with Pete and Sean. And just I want to talk to you today about how we met a group of people, men and women, at the YMCA where the harbor originally, like, started. So, um, and I just wanted to highlight three points. It's about inviting God, it's about inviting others, and it's about inviting your friends. Because love is an invitation, right? So we invited God. Mark Gray, who I know many of you know, he's always at the coffee table. Um, He just has a hunger for the prophetic I haven't seen in a long time in anyone. And so I was like, okay, dude, let's go. Let's go pray for some people and meet some people. So we prayed about some people we should meet. We headed downtown. First guy we met on our list said, I'm an atheist. I don't want your prayers. We're like, okay. And so we just kept walking. <laughs> and he goes, but wait a minute. Don't go and pray for these guys over here. And there were three men sitting there who live at the Y. So we started praying for them. They're super glad to have prayer. Actually, a couple of our friends are here from the Y today. Um, David, who we met first. And then, so that's inviting God, right? So then we invited others. We invited David to church and some other people, the other guys we met. We went back the next day, tried to pick them up, and they weren't ready, but we kept inviting people. Mark and Pete went back to the Y, met with some people, kept inviting them. Um, And then Mark came to our group and said, hey, why don't we do a Christmas party? And so that's the inviting your friends. So we all went to the Y. We had an awesome Christmas party, met a ton of people, And it was just such a good time. And we said, hey, we want to come back and and do this again. And so next week, we're leading our first Bible study there for a monthly Bible study. And we just keep meeting more people. And we're really connecting. Christine's here today, who I met the last time we went. We had so much in common. It was insane. And so we just keep meeting more people there. And, you know, they've all been living here in Beverly their whole lives, too. So you really can meet people outside of the church who are living here. It's just I really think it's keying in on those three places, right? Inviting God, inviting others, and inviting your friends into that process. So, Mm. thank you. Amen. Give her a hand. All right, I want you to just uh, spare me one more prayer as as we enter into the Word here. Jesus, uh, we need you. We don't need a message from Brian right now. We need to hear the Word of the Lord. So I thank you that there's always an open invitation from you to come and listen at your feet. Thank you, God. So help us now to sense that you're here and to connect with you and to sit at your feet and hear what you're saying to us. Amen. The 2018 Winter Olympics are here. Here is what you need to know, especially if you didn't know that was happening. 
All right, the Olympics are taking place in a city called Pyeongchang in South Korea. All right, the difference from here to there is 14 hours. They're 14 hours ahead of us. All right, if you see a white tiger, his name is Suho Rang. It's the mascot. Okay, come on, guys, it's cool. All right, it's like, there's a shout. It's the mascot. All right, there's seven major sports, lots of competitions within each of these but they're on ice and snow. So you've got skiing and the biathlon on snow, and then you've got the bobsled events, the luge, curling, ice hockey, and all the skating things on ice. Ice and snow. This is the Winter Olympics, okay? There's a total of 259 sets of medals that have been made, and spoiler alert, the USA has already won a gold. Won't tell you in what. OAR is not a reference to a 90s band, okay? Neither is it something, an implement you use to get across water in a boat. It stands for Olympic athletes from Russia. And if you see that little tagline with Olympic symbols in it, it's there because the Russians got in trouble for, you know, kind of dodging some of the doping policies. And so they've allowed Russian athletes to still compete Uh, However, they're not allowed to have a flag or reference the flag or have their national anthem played if they win the gold medal. So that's OAR, all right? The last thing, most notably, I thought when I was kind of checking out what was going on in the Olympics is that uh, North and South Korea marched out together under one unification flag during the opening ceremonies on Friday night. Now, The other thing that's interesting is that they are competing together as one team in the women's ice hockey competition. So there's players from both countries competing together. Now I thought, wow, what a a cool statement about, you know, what's going on in Korea and the history there from the Korean War and the spread of communism in the North. Many have questioned, you know, the impact of that. Is it just a political move to say, look at us, we're peacemakers, but we're really not all that interested in peace? So the question kind of in my mind is, you know, what, is, what will be the lasting impact of this connection that's been made? You know, athletes are competing together. Some of the skiers train together, although they're not competing under the same team. But there's, there's, some, there's some movement towards relationship there. Now, we're in this series, we're talking about friendship. The title of the series is The Mission of Making Friends, and it's all about connections. And again, I'm asking the question today is, what is the effect or what is the importance of the connections that are in our life? These small connections that are made between athletes during the Olympic Games, could it be possible that any of those connections or just even this, you know, demonstration of a move towards unity on this opening ceremony night has any lasting impact between these countries. There's obviously a lot of things to work through. For us, what is the importance of the relationships around us, the connections we make with other people, and could those connections actually have an impact on the world around us? So to answer that question, We're going to read a passage from Luke 19. And this is right at the end of Jesus' ministry before the Passion Week starts and he's heading towards the cross. 
It's a very well-known passage, and I hope that you get a fresh look at it today. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 19. We're going to start right at the beginning in verse 1. And it's up on the screen if you want to take a look there as well. All right, Luke 19. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 to start here. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Here's the first thing that I think we see in this passage. Everyone needs a friend. Everybody needs a friend. Everyone. Now, Zacchaeus, we get this picture of maybe a weaselly little man. All right? We see two things about him. He's rich, and he's got some influence. He lived in a city called Jericho. You've probably heard that name if you grew up in the church, you know, the walls of Jericho and Joshua. Well, in this time period, Jericho was an important city. Uh, It was one of three cities where taxes were collected. It was Jerusalem, this other city called Capernaum, which you hear mentioned, uh, in Jesus' ministry were the other two that were not on the coast. And it was a major trade city. Uh, they had natural resources there, palm forests and balsam groves that, that brought wealth to that area. And it had, built, it had been built up economically by Herod the Great. And so all of this to say is that Jericho is an important place. Uh, it's an important city, big city. There's wealth there. And so Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in this whole city. So the way it most likely worked was that he was in charge of a group of tax collectors that would go around and collect the taxes. So he's, he's kind of the big boss in charge of all these other guys. And he worked, as we mentioned last week when we talked about Matthew, he would have worked for the Romans. And the understanding that I gained from uh, just, just looking into this is that the Romans would auction off the rights of collecting the taxes to a group of people. And then they would kind of set a flat rate for that region that they wanted to collect. And so then the tax collectors were then able to collect on top of that to, make, to set their own wages. You can see how that could easily get out of hand, right? Because they're the ones with the power. They're setting the actual taxes for the people. The Romans are saying, we want this much, so the rest to get your salary is up to you. So this is probably how Zacchaeus made his money Uh, by unfairly charging people more than what was needed in order to make a wealthy living. We don't know that for certain, but it's just a little bit of speculation there. All that to say, it's likely that that's the case uh, because tax collectors, as we noted again last week, was they were unpopular. They were considered sinners. And so they were viewed as traitors because they're working for this oppressive, you know, government that had come in and taken over the region, but also because they're they're most likely uh, abusing the power towards their own people. All right? So general disdain. They worked for an occupying force. No one likes paying bills anyways, but especially when someone's charging them more than they're owed. Right? So Zacchaeus, we also see, was small of stature. Now, 
It says this, and again, this is why he had to climb that tree. But I like to imagine that Zacchaeus maybe got picked on his whole life. Hey, shorty. Hey, little man. <clears throat> I wonder if for Zacchaeus there was something here in, the, in, the, in just the fact that he was short that gave him a little bit of an edge towards his fellow countrymen. Again, I'm speculating here. But putting yourself in that story, right, someone that's been kind of made fun of his whole life, maybe that was the reason he chose this occupation. It was a way to get back at all these people around him that had made fun of him his whole life. Right? So we see a man that is, yes, wealthy, has some power, but is in some ways an outcast, is looked down upon is lumped in with sinners. He needed a friend. And so what does he do, like any normal person would do? He stalks someone. Right? He can't see Jesus, so he kind of gets up in a tree. Now, this, I don't think, was the greatest plan. It worked out in the end. But he had to find some way to see Jesus. And he sees Jesus kind of going this way. He climbs up this sycamore fig tree, And Jesus, right, uh, is coming along that way. We all need a friend. Zacchaeus especially, I can imagine. He's longing to see Jesus. He's heard that he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Maybe even knows one of his disciples, this guy named Matthew. Yeah, I heard about him. He's from Jerusalem. He was a tax collector, and he, he was called in to follow Jesus. Maybe there's some hope that, that connecting with Jesus or even just seeing him, that, that this was true. He could even see Matthew, this tax collector he'd heard about in another city, following Jesus himself. There's a longing in our hearts to be connected, to be accepted. I can remember my freshman year at Gordon. I had been chosen to lead this ministry for, for guys. It was kind of like a guy's Bible study called Brothers in Christ. And so the, the spring of my freshman year, I went to a leadership seminar. It was at a retreat somewhere in New Hampshire, uh, you know, this, this retreat center on a lake. <clears throat> and, I, and I didn't really know anybody going there. And so I can remember kind of arriving, getting my stuff set up in my room, and, you know, maybe greeting a couple people. But later that day after, like, a meeting, I just can remember I had no one to hang out with. And I just was walking alone in the dark, like around the cabins, hoping that I would stumble into somebody that would be friendly to me and invite me to hang out. It didn't happen. And so I still remember the loneliness of that night. Right? Everyone wants to be invited into relationship. Everyone needs a friend. It's not just when you're young. I took a job teaching at PBD High School when I was 29. And I can still remember, you know, feeling alone in this classroom that I was teaching in with no windows and, you know, not really able to see who else is around me. But lunchtime would come. And just like those students that are wondering where they're going to sit, I oftentimes found myself eating my lunch in my classroom because I just didn't know who to connect with uh, in the teacher's lounge. You know, you try and you kind of sit down and, you, you know, you maybe greet a couple people, but you just didn't feel like there was a place or an invitation from anyone to relationship. We all need friends. It was true 2,000 years ago for this guy named Zacchaeus, and it's true for us. Verse 5. 
When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once. Like he didn't break his leg jumping out of the tree, right? And welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The second thing we see here is if you want to make a friend, initiate and invite. Jesus initiates with Zacchaeus and invites himself over. Apparently, that is okay. He's with Jesus, although I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, okay? Now, it's not clear how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit just spoke to him. See that guy in the tree? You got to talk to him. His name's Zacchaeus. Just call him down on the tree. Invite yourself out over his house. It'll be good. I like to think that people saw Zacchaeus, though, in the tree and started to mock him. Not loud enough so that he could hear, so they wouldn't charge him more on their next tax bill. Right, so they knew it was him, but, but just enough so maybe they could hear and wouldn't know in the crowd who it was coming from. You kind of duck down and yell loud, hey, it's a kiss, hey, shorty, look at that, look at that jerk up in the tree, you know. Anything like that. <clears throat> but, but Jesus, even if the ridicule is there, steps in to that scene. It's incredible. And he shocks the crowd, inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Now, this is a total honor, right? Jesus is this, this huge rabbi. The crowd is following. All these people, the fanfare, right? Getting, trying to touch Jesus, right? Maybe just trying to grab his cloak, whatever. <clears throat> and Jesus recognizes Zacchaeus, calls him out by name, and says, I'm going to your house. And again, that is no small thing. In the, in, in the ancient Near East, when you were eating a meal with someone or being invited into their house, it was like you were making a covenant with them. It was a huge statement of relationship and dignity for that person. Jesus enters into Zacchaeus' world. He could have just dealt with him at the tree. Just, okay, Zacchaeus, your sins are forgiven. People make fun of you. I still love you. I got to go. No, he slows it down and enters into his world. And he received the ridicule that maybe had been directed at Zacchaeus, but now was directed at Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The crowd doesn't like this picture of Jesus. They can't believe Jesus is blessing this guy, that Jesus is entering into a relationship with him. And he doesn't, he doesn't care what that does to his, repu- his reputation. He stands in and takes a licking for Zacchaeus. And we see Zacchaeus' response. Luke is using this language to say, man, he scrambled out of that tree. He jumped out of that tree. He leaped out. He almost broke his leg. He was so excited because Jesus had honored him simply by an initiation and invitation. Restoring 
dignity in front of a crowd of people. People need someone else to enter into their experience. They need a friend. This is February, and it is Black History Month. Right? Our black brothers and sisters need some white people to enter into that experience with them. The experience that we can easily ignore, and when I say that I mean those of us that are white, that racism is an issue in our country, but that they never can ignore for, for not a single day. The call to friendship there is a call to entering into the experience and also possibly the ridicule or hatred that others experience. I think the first step in doing that is making a friend that is black. Guys, the Me Too movement that's sweeping across the country, women need men in their lives that will create a safe place. They need men to step into and identify with the experience as much as they can. They need fathers, brothers, friends who will listen and not judge, who will protect and value. Now, just a small thing. Man, I just want to encourage you to open a door for a woman and to give her preference. That's not, that's not in my mind, something that is saying, you know, oh, men are, men are better and they have to take care of, you know, poor, weak women. That is a statement of honor to someone that has, throughout history, not received the same amount of honor. It's taking a a submissive role to say, you first. You deserve honor because typically you have been given dishonor. It's a valuing. It's coming from a place of saying, hey, yes, men are typically stronger physically than women, right? And they have abused that. They've typically had a, a stronger place in society, in patriarchal societies, and they have abused that. Even those simple things are creating Creating a place, a space for women to feel honored. And obviously going beyond that. Stop using or abusing women. And I think one simple way is for us as men to stop using pornography. The leader of our movement, Jimmy Seibert, has a a sermon that you can look up online. It's called, Your No is Her Hope. It's going to take men saying no to pornography and prostitution for the sex slave industry to end. This is not a voice of condemnation, guys. This is just a voice of invitation to say Jesus can help you get free. And it matters to the women around us. Their worth are honoring and are doing whatever it takes 
to not support the darkness that is out there. So I actually just want to give a call right now. I've been looking to start a group to help men get free from sexual addiction. And so I have two invitations right now. If that's you and you're trapped in that, Jesus has the power to set you free. And we want to help you do that. Send me an email, come talk to me at some point and say, hey, thanks for sharing that. I want to get free. If you're a man that is walking in freedom, that, this group needs men that are walking in freedom to encourage other men and to tell them that they can get out and help them through that process. If you have a heart to help other men get free, please come talk to me. Okay? All right, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up, kind of assuming we're, we're fast-forwarding we're at his house now at this point. He stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. Zacchaeus, his life is transformed and society starts to change too. This love and acceptance that he experiences from Jesus, right? It turns his life around and he starts to get radical about obedience. The poor get cared for. And people that have been cheated from are getting way back more, getting back way more than they were stolen. Right? And so Jesus here says he's on a mission to see salvation and restoration. It's so interesting to me that Zacchaeus is called a son of Abraham in this passage. Again, I wonder if that was an insult that people hurled at Zacchaeus to say, you're no son of Abraham. Meaning you've betrayed us You're working for the Romans. You're cheating your own people out of money. You're not one of us. In this simple statement, Jesus is saying, I think, two things. He's saying, one, Zacchaeus, you're in the family of God. You're accepted by God. You're a son of Abraham. And two, all those lies that you heard about rejecting you, that you're not not a a real Israelite, those are lies. So Zacchaeus experiences personal transformation, right? Which leads to the transformation of the society around him. Here's my encouragement to you. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. Don't focus on changing the world Focus on investing in one person. Here's a little bit of math for you. You ready for this? If you you discipled or mentored one person, okay, every year, so each year it was a different person that had not been discipled by somebody else. If you did that for the rest of your life, 
and taught the people that you disciple to do the same thing, to mentor, disciple, teach someone how to follow Jesus. Spend a year with one person, and it couldn't be somebody else that had already kind of been discipled in that way, so you, you got poured into for a whole year, and then you're just pouring out year after year. The whole world would be discipled by 2050. That would, that's assuming that no one's a believer right now. And that's also, uh, that's also taking into a calculation that there will probably be about 9.8 billion people on the earth by 2050. That's the power of the small. The one. It takes initiative, though. Right? Friends, first of all, are made when we initiate with someone, and then there's an invitation. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. Friendship matters. God created us to be in community. He said it's not good for man to be alone. That goes, just, that goes beyond just marriage. It matters to every person personally that they would have a friend. It matters socially that we're friends to people around us, to the women in our culture, to our black brothers and sisters. It matters because when people encounter Jesus through us, they're transformed and it starts to transform society. And as we see in Zacchaeus, the poor are helped and people that were cheated get their money back. And it matters missionally because Zacchaeus entered into the family of God. He was called a son of Abraham. This mission, you know, if you've been in the church for a while, of going and making disciples of all nations, the necess- it necessitates relationship and friendship. This is how the mission goes through the world. The last thing I'll say is this. All of this happened because of a man, a man who is a friend whose name is Jesus. Without Jesus, we don't have the power to cross those barriers. To be a friend on the other side, right, of some boundary in our society. Jesus is the one who has the power. And he made friends of us who were his enemies. That's the story of the Bible. The world is a broken place filled with people who have hurt one another, have hurt the very earth itself, and created corrupt systems, and through that have also hurt God. But even though we made ourselves enemies of God, we've pushed him away by our actions and our thoughts. God said, I won't push them away. I will come near and become a friend. And he did that to the the utmost degree by becoming a person himself, the person of Jesus Christ. And as you read about the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you see someone who walked around 
loving those that others thought were unlovable, of restoring lives, of restoring bodies, of giving dignity. And the reward he got for that was that people crucified him. But the story didn't end there. No, God vindicated his son Jesus by raising him from the dead to show that he was the son of God and that he has power over death and evil and darkness and sickness and all the bad things in this world that God is now making new. That is the gospel. And anyone that puts their faith in Jesus, anyone that says yes to Jesus and says, forgive me, receives forgiveness of their, all their sins, is moved from a place of being an enemy towards God and judgment to being forgiven, adopted as a son or daughter and in God's family. They're set free from the power of sin in their own life and they're filled with the very Spirit of God so that they can be a friend like Jesus is. This is what it all comes back to. The world will be transformed through the people of God who are friends of Jesus, filled with his power to be friends to others. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. The first one's got to be Jesus, and then you can go make someone else so that his life can flow through you. His love, his acceptance, his releasing of dignity. Let's have the band come back up. So I want to leave you. The band's going to play quietly for a couple minutes, and I just want to give you a couple questions to think about today. And I'm challenging you to not actually just think about this, but to invite God to speak to you. If you've never done that before, it's as simple as just saying, okay, this is a little weird. God, if you're there, I'm going to ask you a question. It'd be great if you could speak to me. God will honor something even as simple as that. The first is, the first question is, Jesus in what way do you want to be a friend to me today? And that's for anyone here, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I just challenge you to ask him that question. What you, the next thought that pops into your head might surprise you. And the second question which we asked last week is, who is God putting on your heart to initiate with? So, Jesus... Sorry, what was that question? That was great. <laughs> In what way do you want to be a friend to me today? And secondly, who is God asking you to initiate with? So Lord, we just welcome you right now to come and speak to each one of us. How are you wanting to be a friend to me, Jesus, right now? And who are you putting on my heart? I'll give you a few minutes to process this and then we'll come back up and the band will lead us into worship. <laughs>